Welcome to Recently Logged, where this week we're going to the Grand Budapest Hotel. And I mean, who wouldn't want to? It's an institution. Greetings, here we are. Recently Logged, we're talking about a hotel that's Ooh. rather grand. It's so grand, and it's in Budapest. It's it's so grand that they made a movie about it, Micah. That well, they made they made a book about <laughs> they it. They made a book about it, <laughs> and then they made a movie. And then they made a movie about it. But yes, we uh, we're talking about Grand Budapest Hotel, which uh, for those unfamiliar, uh, we will now go over all of the things you need to know about it. I, I assume most people know what this movie is. It's, I, it's a relatively popular. Who knows? But but who knows what go. people know? Yes. But we're back. <laughs> oh yeah that too we took a week off happy thanksgiving happy thanksgiving people <laughs> christmas time is here christmas time is here and it's time for uh joy and cheer i think is I, I, I that's think how that's it goes okay. but it's time for grand budapest hotels <laughs> basic facts <laughs> all right so uh again we are talking about the grand budapest hotel which is a 2014 movie rated r it is an hour and 39 minutes yes indeed this little imdb description is a writer encounters the owner of an aging high high class hotel who tells him of his early years serving as a lobby boy in the hotel's glorious years under an ex an exceptional concierge yes if I can read. <laughs> yes, that a is a very correct. confusing description to describe what's happening in the movie. 2014, man, what a year. <laughs> this is this is one of the, like the best movies of this decade, I think, like the 2010s and like it's it has so many like <laughs> just other great films in 2014. But yes. Uh it's, it's cast features uh Ralph Fiennes, F Murray Abraham, mm. uh Matthew Almerick, Adrian Brody, Willem Dafoe, Jeff Goldblum. Jude Law, Bill Murray, Harvey Cattell, Edward Norton, Saoirse Ronan, Jason Schwartzman. Shout out to Saoirse Ronan for real. Okay, Rebecca, you know French. What's what's her name? How do you say uh, her Lee name? Lee Sudu. Lee Sudu. I would assume. Tilda Swinton. There's a lot of people Lay, in o Owen Wilson. Right. Why is he all the way down here? <laughs> he's like he's like the main character. <laughs> uh, Tony Revel Revelori. Revelori, maybe. I believe so. Yeah. I don't know why he's all built all the way Dude, down here on IMDb. Like he is the main, the main character. character next to maybe <laughs> Ralph Fiennes. Right. Uh, it is directed by uh, Wes Anderson. Yeah. Um, it is inspired by the work of Stefan Zweig, I think is how you say his name. I don't know. Stefan. Uh, Stefan. It's probably French, I would assume. Uh, written by <laughs> Wes Anderson and Hugo Guinness. Nice. I mean, I feel like um, we kind of brand ourselves as a Letterboxd podcast. I feel like most people know about this movie if they're on Letterboxd, because it's like the, I don't know, like 70th <laughs> highest rated movie on there. Yeah, I want to go to get into what it's won. It won four Oscars. Oh, um, man. It won Best Achievement in Costume Design, Best Achievement in Makeup and Hairstyling, Best mm. Achievement in Music Written for a Motion Picture, yes, it should, Original man. Score specifically, Best Achievement in Production Design, and Best Motion Picture. Oh, I take it back. It's 150th in the uh, official top <laughs> 250 films on Letterboxd. And it was also nominated for Best Directing, Cinematography, Film Editing, and Screenplay, or Original Screenplay, I should say. Well, there you go. 
That's all you need to know, I guess. <laughs> that, that's that's the whole thing. It's Grand whole Budapest thing. Hotel. Uh, you don't even need to watch it now. I feel like most people who are even remotely familiar with Wes Anderson's work know about this one. Well, this this is, by all accounts, his biggest movie. Yeah, I mean, his it, biggest it, one. It, yeah. it won Best Picture that year. Like this was yeah. this is probably his most well-known movie. I would say absolutely one of his best. One of his best. But more on that uh, in the next segment. Yeah. So what's the deal with Grand Budapest Hotel? I mean, come on. They go into the hotel and they commit crime. <laughs> they commit war crimes. And then they come out and they get arrested for those crimes. <laughs> and Saoirse Ronan's a baker. Yeah, that's, about, that's pretty <laughs> Am much I right? <laughs> Am I right? That's, that's why it won Best Picture, Micah. Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan need, needed to be in it more. <laughs> She needed that's your, to, that's she your needed one to, criticism of the movie. To, she needed to talk more. She needed to be more relevant. <laughs> she needed to she needed to be in it more. She needed to be the main character. I'm so I'm so happy they let her use her actual accent in this. Right, and we got we got her Irish accent. It's beautiful. <sighs> she has such a pretty voice. And, Killing me. And <laughs> and she's I was lied to. I thought she was going to be one of the main characters. And although she technically I mean, she's is, like she's like one of the she's side like she's like characters. she's like there. She's just she doesn't have very many lines. She's like, you steal art. You steal art. <laughs> because that's an Irish. Accent. Yeah, I was about to say the worst Irish accent of all time. But... I got to really commit to do an Irish accent and saying that is not something that's easy. Right. But uh, yeah. That's yeah. That's it. That's all the discussion we need to have. Well, um, it's that's its biggest fault. I feel like I have a little bit more to say. Okay, Ruby, what are, what are your what are your basic your simplized summarized thoughts? Summarized thoughts on Grand Budapest Hotel. This is probably. I, I think it's very deserving of its title as like the Wes Anderson movie. You know. Uh, it's absolutely it absolutely plays to all of his strengths as a director and a writer uh, his stylistic sensibilities here that's a lot of s's <laughs> are uh, are like just really in tune with all of the other aspects of the film like the production design and the performances and just the general tone of the movie is it's, it's so good <laughs> it's very coherent <laughs> and uh i don't know it's a it's a very compelling screenplay i like all of the main characters and their performers uh i don't know it's just it's a spectacularly fun time. Some kind of quote-unquote fantastic Some kind Mr. Of quote, Fox. Fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> um, really, Fantastic Mr. Fox or The French Dispatch are the only rivals in my mind for this being the best Wes Anderson. I don't think The French Dispatch touches this. That Well, you have a right to your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's just a joy to experience. And there's just so many great flavors of filmmaking here. Like, th there's so many small touches that make make it so beautiful and perfect i think I, I honestly think it's one of the best of the 2010s yeah. easily yeah so what, what do you think of the grand budapest what do, hotel like? what do i think do that's think? a great question well i think i think this is a very a very smart movie and i and i don't yes. i don't use that to be like oh it's so smart it's so like you, you must like, not understand like it's it not a, don't like it. it's not a movie that like thinks or, or at least acts like it's smart like some movies 
like like take and my girlfriend's gonna kill me for saying this take like donnie darko it would be 20 <laughs> times better if it didn't think it was the smartest movie in the world because it, it does it does have a cool smart premise i have that but, same criticism for that guy's other movie that i've seen the box oh yeah, it's yeah. very very similar kind of feel i think yeah and, and again donnie darko is a smart script but it thinks it's the smartest script <laughs> yeah um so like this does not have that vibe but i mean smart by the fact that it is it is a very in-depth film it's a very multi-layered yeah and and i and i think that's that's like one of the biggest takeaways i have from this because obviously its production is great its actors are amazing um the story is well paced it's fun it's funny it really uh, it's technically a marvel but i feel like that's almost like a given when you go into a wes anderson film (laughs) so something that really stands out about this for me personally was the two times that i watched this i had completely different experiences completely different takeaways from the film when i watched it um because the second time when i watched it with you i thought it was like a lot like I, i ended up finding it a lot more humorous yeah yeah. i was i was laughing at it a lot i was joking around with it a lot Mm -hmm. um but when i watched it at first by myself my takeaway from it was a lot more melancholy and i think both of them are very clearly there in the film (laughs) absolutely Um, and i think that goes to show that there's like a lot of depth to this movie way more so than i think any other wes anderson movie i've seen yeah i would Um, i would tend to agree it feels like his style actually meeting its perfect match of kind of story to tell. Exactly. Because a lot of times his style is like, oh, that's really awesome. The production design's beautiful. Costumes. Oh, all, all of that is always beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it feels like unnecessarily so. Take like Isle of Dogs where it feels mm-hmm. just kind of completely wasted on a weird story. Yeah. <laughs> Isle of Dogs is so strange. <laughs> so, so this definitely guns for like my favorite Wes Anderson movie. It's probably my favorite. I don't know. I really, yeah. really, I really have a strong connection with, uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise and Kingdom I really show. love, <laughs> and I really love Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, yeah. So those are definitely my top three, but this one is just so engrossing i think yeah and, and it's such a it's such a meaty film which i i did not i don't know i did not expect that going into it I, but i should have i think with how <laughs> acclaimed it was but like there's so much you can take away from this movie yeah i love it no and and uh, uh do you have any questions to kick us off to to delve oh wait 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 wait, 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 We didn't, say, you never say your rating, okay. so then I always forget to say my rating. What did you rate the film, Rabbi? I rated this, uh, if you can even imagine, I gave it a five out of five. I also gave it a five out of five, if you can even imagine. Yeah, I'm but like, I, oh, it's one but, of the best well, films Well, no, but I want to, I want to give this, because I always like to do yeah. these little segments at the beginning with yeah. kind of like a spoiler-free summary, yeah. where then we say our rating, and if you haven't watched the movie, you could be like, wow, I wanna, maybe I want to go see maybe that. I check and then out. you can leave. Watch the movie and come back. And <laughs> that no to, one has ever done that in the history of film podcast. And listen to the rest of the episode. That's the idea. I see. I see. <laughs> that is my master plan. Well, um, I, this is your chance, guys. Go watch Grand Budapest Hotel. It's on HBO. It's on HBO. Max. <laughs> well, yeah, HBO Max. I, I always forget that like HBO has another streaming thing. It's weird. Yeah, it is weird. Um, but okay. 
questions. First thing, first thing that comes to mind. What it's not like mind? a great question. Or it's anything. not a great question. Um, Why even ask it? <laughs> well, because I, I, I think it's interesting. Okay, maybe it is a great question. What do I know? What constitutes a great question? Let's get into that. <laughs> uh, okay, what did you think of the way the story is framed? Because that, that's something that really struck me the first time I watched this. Yeah, the first time I watched this, that was actually one of the biggest, the biggest standouts of the movie to me, and kind of a lot of what I took away from it thematically is how it was framed. It's a very interesting played, way to frame a movie. Played a lot into that because yeah. it's it's layered and layered and layered <laughs> down into the story that is is deceptively simple. Mm-hmm. It is a simple story and kind of a tragic story. It is, yeah. It's a story about like a dying way of life, a dying hotel, mm-hmm. people people dying. <laughs> it, it is about a, a, a world dying, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the framing really kind of helps you get into the mindset of that this is this is something that happened. Like this is a this is a dead thing. Yeah, and it's in the past. Not it's not gone. in not in an inherently negative way. Yeah. But uh, like I don't know. I think the framing is one of the most like like because I feel like if you just jumped into this, mm-hmm. it would be a little bit of like a downer. It it adds a really sweet sense of nostalgia, I think, and not in like a oh it made me nostalgic. It has it it fills the story with a sense of nostalgia for a bygone era, which I I think at the heart of Grand Budapest is really it's really just an ode to that sort of like era of hotels and uh, like that era of workforce and dedication to a craft, that sort of thing. Kind of like you see in the French dispatch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I actually, I was looking cause I wrote in my review, I was like, it's a, it's a hotel giving <laughs> the illusion of an era told by a guy to a guy who wrote a book being read by a girl <laughs> Yeah, and you get kind of framed in as the girl and watching the proceedings with essentially no effect on how they happen, watching yeah. kind of the beauty and illusion fade away. Yeah. Um, as as you see, like I don't, I don't know, it's very it's very interesting. Yeah, it's such a, it's such a captivating <laughs> film on so many on so many different levels. Like thematically, it's very captivating. Uh, like the ideas presented are very interesting. The characters are so much fun to watch. I don't know. It's the framing device is kind of like the cherry on top, honestly. Um, cause it just, it wraps it up very nicely and it allows, um, Wes Anderson to kind of speak his mind on the main story presented there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I see the author as kind of a Wes Anderson stand in, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it works really well. Well, again, cause you sense. could, you could see, you could see this as kind of like, you could see this as kind of a movie, like you said, about kind of the the working force and the mm-hmm. effort they put into it and how that becomes kind of a love letter yeah. to something. Or you could see it about like specifically uh, like all about a love story and a br- story of brotherhood. Yeah, that's um, true. And you can, you can read and you can get all of these different, very interesting, all very elaborated on chunks out mm-hmm. of this movie. Yeah. Um, and they all kind of blend together into the kind of piece that only feels like it could exist behind like three framing devices. <laughs> right. <laughs> I will say though, I don't know what it is. Something about Jude Law's performance in this really captures me. This is like easily my favorite <laughs> performance from him. And I don't know why. Well, I'm not a Jude Law fan. So I think he's like, I think he's passable here. I don't know. He's just, he was a perfect casting for this role, I think. But, like, the whole movie is really well cast. Except for, I don't know, something bothers me about the Owen Wilson cameo. 
Like he is a character, but like I don't know. Well, I mean, there are a lot of weird. there are a lot of his main cast yeah. cameos oh, in in the the what is it called the Society of the Crossed Keys crossed or keys. something? Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's That's called correct. that, but it's Crossed Keys something. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's such an odd and interesting movie to it's, delve into. It's so it's so good. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of a good a good question after that because yeah. I think its framing is very important. In fact, I mean, I did a whole video essay just just recently about Moonrise Kingdom, where I spent like ten minutes talking about its framing device. I mean, but, Moonrise Kingdom's framing device is kind of like its whole thing. I think <laughs> right, like ninety percent of that is a framing device, but ninety percent of this is a framing device. Yeah. I know Wes Anderson is. Is very much obsessed, not obsessed, I mean, obsessed is a good word. I like mean, Christopher Nolan is obsessed a, with time. Wes yeah. Anderson is kind of obsessed with with storybooks. In yeah, a way. like story he does, structure and He does like, like storybook that. filmmaking, essentially. Yeah. And I mean that in the best possible way. Yeah. Um, I mean, several, several of his movies are directly book adaptations. And I mean, even the Grand Budapest Hotel is split up into like six chapters or whatever. Yeah, and framed through a reading of a book. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Like again, he loves he loves kind of the ideas presented, the simplicity and complexity presented in simple storybooks. Absolutely. Um, and I really love the way he kind of delves into the different layers of them. Yeah. No, it's really. <laughs> like I I feel like anytime I praise this movie, I'm like, oh. <laughs> it it just makes me want to watch it again. You know. All right. Well, uh, what do you think? What do you think of uh, of of Ralph 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 Fiennes? <laughs> Ralph 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 Fiennes. <laughs> what do you think of his character? Mike is slowly turning into a dog on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of his character? Because he's a very interesting character. He's a very interesting. And he's given character. he's given a lot of a lot of importance. He is part of like the main emotional core of the movie. Yeah, and I mean, I was about to bring something up about him, but you can't really talk about his character without bringing zero into it because they're very much written for each other yeah i mean bring up bring up zero go for it um i don't know they're they're a very enticing pair like it's a he's, he's a prestigious uh concierge at a very grand hotel that's on the decline and um zero is like this up and coming uh refugee of war yeah, I was about to say a refugee of war immigrant yeah. who's been tortured and has nothing <laughs> exactly who's who very much has nothing and I think the mentorship is honestly one of the most compelling if not the most compelling thing about this movie their relationship and the way it grows and I don't know something about the balance of respect that happens in this movie like the way it shifts throughout the movie is very and it's very sweet to me i like it a lot yeah because there's a very clear like relationship arc between mm -hmm. zero and what is it mr gustavo yes yeah something like that i believe so i don't remember i feel like that's wrong now dang it <laughs> okay, i don't remember if gustavo is him yes. or if it's the other guy like zero yeah um gustav gustav yes no 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 oh. Gustavo. <laughs> yeah. who are they who who knows any of these things <laughs> wow. uh, but you know like the relationship kind of arcs between like you know him not really knowing him him interviewing him him teaching him then him kind of being on his own for the beginning of the prison and then him kind of fighting and then him relying on zero yeah and it's it's very it's very compelling to watch their relationship grow, especially when Zero is kind of presented as this character. And again, the the framing of his introduction is very important. He's a he's a character who is essentially 
he's got nothing. He's, he has he has no holdings in the world. He has no all. past. Yeah. He has like I mean he has a past, but he has effectively no past that's delved into with any meaning in the yeah. movie. Um he has no family, he has no connections. He doesn't even he just appears in the hotel essentially. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of shows up and it, from our narrative, he just kind of is there. <laughs> um and I think that's a really important framing for how his character works and yeah. and what makes his character so compelling to watch right. under a very a very interesting character <laughs> of like I, I don't know, something about Gustav is like is odd, especially the framing of all of his like the way he kind of sleeps around with all mm-hmm. of the women at the hotel. Um, no, his characterization in this movie has always been very, uh, I, I don't know, interesting to me. Not not in a bad way. Yeah, he's just kind of an odd character mm-hmm. in general to place your finger on. Um, yeah. And I feel like that's partially on purpose. Because oh, yeah, he's, he's sure. very much supposed to be the entire time almost putting up an illusion. The entire time supporting a fantasy that he lives through yeah and that he wants other people to live through yeah no i mean his whole thing with the grand budapest hotel in my eyes was preserving a prestige that wasn't really all that viable um a prestige that was barely there to begin with. yeah yeah um but he buys into it a hundred percent um, I don't know. It, he's such an interesting character. <laughs> I, that that really struck me the first time I watched this movie. I'm like, man, like what what's going on? Here? And the way and the way he dies too is especially interesting. I know you mentioned before we were recording that you didn't know exactly what like all the war stuff meant mm-hmm. in this. Yeah, the, um, the war is a surprise, like a much bigger part of this movie than I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and like I don't have any any answer. I mean, I've seen this movie yeah. twice, and I watched it for the first time like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But uh, but like the the very soul of Ralph Fiennes' character becomes a basically a barracks for the war near the end of the movie. Yeah, and it, I don't know. It's a very it's a very interesting way to raise the character stakes, which I, I don't know, I really like it. But. Yeah, like I said, I feel I feel like a lot of the movie is kind of constantly, even that kind of constantly showing like just the progression and and kind of the loss of a lot of the prestige of, of like, even like love and life the that artistry. we live through. The artistry yeah. of life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, war is obviously one of the <laughs> biggest anti-that yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, no, it makes it as makes the, sense. as the war goes on, kind of in the background of the film, mm-hmm. and it goes through two different uh, governments essentially. Yep. Um, and he, he manages to scrape through the first encounter merely on the fact <laughs> that somebody's mom, who just so happened to be there, just so happened to be at his hotel at one point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the next time that it happens, it gets him killed. Yep. Um, and it's just like a very interesting he's such an interesting character <laughs> right he feels he feels like some mythic character man like what? which again is the way that is what the movie wants wants to tell you yeah but but i have, a, I have another question because i think this is very interesting for talking about this movie because a lot of the movie feels like it's building towards just their relationship like building towards the reason why he has the grand budapest because that's yeah. kind of the idea i mean it's, that's how they frame the yeah again that's narrative. that's how they frame it the yeah. hotel is dying nobody goes there it's it's falling apart why does this super rich guy buy this hotel stay in this small room <laughs> and like w- what is it all about yeah and i think it's very interesting that it's final what was it all about um kind of kind of gets split into 
the story of of Gustav, where it kind of frames him as this mythic, heroic being, kind of a almost. tragic character, a tragic character yeah. doomed to die, um, versus the reason why he actually stays in the hotel being Agatha, who is a barely a barely touched on character, mm-hmm. um, and his whole like we were happy for a time when they were there yeah. for like very little amount of time <laughs> right they were married for like three years it's such a, yeah it's such a short span but man it's yeah and the way she dies too mm-hmm. like the framing of how she dies like it's like he's she dies off screen i was well he yeah. she dies off screen but not only that she dies off screen by a disease that is easily curable by the time yep. he's even telling this story he's like they cure this now in like a week yeah. but back then millions of people died from it yeah, um, and it's just it's just layers, guys, listeners, people, <laughs> Listen. I, people I'm talking to. It's layers, the and layers. there are so many of them. Um. <laughs> right? I, I feel like you could just like pick up just about any scene from this movie and just like extract a bunch of different details that all have some sort of thematic stake in the movie. And again, I don't feel like all of them. And I think this is part of the brilliance of this film. I don't yeah. think you could nail this film down as being about one thing. Yeah, you can't just be like, oh, it's about hotels. Like, yeah, or you couldn't be like, like oh, the it's... prestige of hotels, because it's about much more than that. And yeah. you can't be like, oh, it's just about their relationship, because it's about much more yeah, than that. Exactly. And like every every individual element kind of blends together. And again, in a way that I often only see Wes Anderson do, and is again kind of storybook style, of which he's... He's painting a picture of an idea, mm-hmm. and that picture of an idea is is exploring all of the different elements of that idea through characters. Yeah, um, and I feel like that's that's a staple of Wes Anderson, in my opinion. Is vignettes that his, makes I think is a better, more fitting term for that. Vignettes. Vignettes. Yeah. yeah I don't even remember what that means. It's like a it's like a sectioned off. You know how like a shadow box is? Yeah. I mean, I know what a vignette is when you put it on like a photo. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But like a vignette as an idea, like if you were to make a shadow box about one thing, that would be like a vignette of that one thing, you know? Like it's it's something that is almost closed and is about one simple idea or something like that. You know, it's, it's a focused thing, a focused narrative. Yeah. Well, like, again, like I mentioned in my Moonrise Kingdom video that I did, I feel, I feel like, I don't know, the word character just comes to mind in the fact that none of the people typically behave like actual human (laughs) beings. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of a staple of Wes Anderson's work. Mm -hmm. Um, but yet they often become extremely emotionally compelling because of the grand picture that they typically are painting together. I I would argue besides maybe Fantastic Mr. Fox that this is the most emotionally involving Wes Anderson film. Bear in mind, I haven't seen Darjeeling Limited or Rushmore and I think uh, Life Aquatic either. So I have not seen any of those, but I think of the ones I have seen, this is the most like emotional I've gotten watching a Wes Anderson film. I, this or Moonrise Kingdom yeah. for me. But it, it always just strikes me how deeply human all of the characters are in Grand Budapest, even though they don't really behave like typical people. Well, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. And that's why, that's what one of the things I was highlighting yeah. in my Moonrise Kingdom video is that these people are extremely oftentimes more so than any person would ever be vulnerable with each other. Mm-hmm. They speak plainly. They speak completely 
clearly to each other about their yeah. wants. They even are overdramatic about their wants and needs and desires and dislikes. Yeah. Um, they are characters of actual people. Yeah. Um, and the way that kind of works off of each other with Wes's specific style and the way he goes about writing um, allows them to be just extremely like compelling and investing if done correctly. Yeah. I think a good example of that sort of thing not being done well is something like See How They Run. If you if you have yeah. watched that movie, it's it's a very I, I think I would describe it as a Wes Anderson riff. Yeah, it feels very Wes Anderson y. Um, but it fa- it kind of fails in that regard. Like none of the characters really ever connect with me at all. <laughs> yeah. To any extent really. Um, which even something like Isle of Dogs manages to do by the end. Yeah, there's there's some like interesting stuff going on with Isle of Dogs yeah. characters. Um, which Isle of Dogs is very much a kind of more a straight up... It's meant to be like an ode to dogs, and it has some stuff to say about war and, you know, protest well, and, like, well, political again, activism and stuff like that, but it never feels as fully fleshed out well, as something and like And this. I'll say this, again, because yeah. I think... Because I think... And, and often I think that's why as a lot of his stylistic sensibilities feature more towards plays, because I think mm-hmm. plays are the more storybook art form in general. Oh, they are, for in sure. In terms of how they can deliver stuff to you. Yeah. Um but I think he's always in all, in all of his movies that I have seen, which I, again I've only seen about half of his movies, mm-hmm. and all of the movies that I have seen of his that work well are moving towards this 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 painting, this idea in my mind. Yeah. This idea and I'm assuming his mind <laughs> of this of this uh this thing he wants to touch on and everything kind of fits perfectly into its puzzle. It makes it very satisfying mm-hmm. when done correctly. There are layers and cool things to get into and it's funny and it, it that's like the core of Wes Anderson's films. They're yeah. usually very simple in concept. And I think where his style does not work as well take isle of dogs mm-hmm. or even see how they run something not done by him but i yeah it does feel very it's, riff, it's a riffy. it's a riff on his style um, for sure <laughs> they don't have clear p- pictures mm-hmm. like it's like a painting but it's muddled yeah if you ask me it's like, like dogs playing poker if you told me if you told me to picture grand budapest hotel in my mind i could very clearly see like all of its different elements and it forms one very cohesive piece that is like the grand budapest hotel if you ask me to picture Isle of Dogs, I picture like six different things, and I'm yeah, like, there's, oh, it's it's um, confused, what? it's muddled, yeah. And because it's muddled, his his direct style and his mm-hmm. simple, like like toned back, almost dry dialogue. It's a min- it's a very minimal take on film most of the time. Yeah, which again, I think again leans more into stage. Kind yeah, of exactly. Yeah. He he essentially directs plays with really using the medium of. Film. He uses the advantages of film and the advantages of stage plays. I think perfectly in this movie, he marries them perfectly. Yeah, I think I think the one that feels. I was actually going to mention this. The French Dispatch actually mm-hmm. feels more play esque. Oh, it it, um, it feels like a straight up stage it play does. for a lot many, of it. many times. It literally just feels like a stage play. Yeah. Um, but I feel like even it does not work as well because I feel like its painting is not as fully and not all things are driving towards what it's trying to paint its picture as. I I thought it's picture was a little muddled to continue mm. this metaphor mm. i don't know man I, I i could see an argument for it i don't think it's as sharp as budapest but i don't think it's muddled really well and the only reason i'm talking about this this long when talking about grand budapest hotel mm. like i think this is 
I think Wes Anderson is a very unique creator, and I think this lies at the core of all of his work that I have seen. Absolutely. That, that with his style, and he has a style, <laughs> oh, these yeah. things have to, like, his, sim- his simplicity has to be channeled into the right things for it to work. It has me. to be rooted in the right things, really. Yeah. Um, and Grand Budapest again somehow perfectly so good. perfectly lines like every 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 brush stroke every p- turn of the page is just mm-hmm. brilliant leading you into the next with with intrigue and comedy and something important and interesting to say about the different characters and what they mean in each scene yeah absolutely and it's i mean it's just a masterwork of film like honestly at the end of the day <laughs> like beyond its absolutely brilliant production design and cinematography and like just technical aspects like the costume design obviously it, it's just like an absolute joy of a film to watch like it's electric really yeah in about, the way it's paced and edited and performed it's it's fantastic i was about to say and i think to tie back to what i said in the beginning one of the things that changed so drastically in my first viewing versus my second viewing mm-hmm. is it's like it's like it's kind of like, you know, reading or watching or whatever, any tragedy, mm-hmm. like any tragedy play or something like that. Like, like take Shakespeare for a good example, because he does a lot of like comedic tragedies. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and like the first time around, you get sucked into like the depth of the tragedy, because for, for me, I did not know what this was going to be about. I, yeah. I knew nothing really about Grand Budapest like, Hotel, like it's about a hotel, besides the fact that it was about a hotel. <laughs> so I got extremely invested into this, this falling apart world and all of these different elements that mm-hmm. end in essentially tragedy. But despite that, it's very, it's a very hopeful look at all of them. Mm-hmm. It's very kind of upbeat and, nostalgic look like i said i I think nostalgia is very much a big Um, element here and then you take the second time around and you and you know what's going on and Mm -hmm. you know what's going to happen and and you know essentially that everything is going to be okay yeah and even if it's not inherently okay (laughs) and you end up kind of getting wrapped up into this like enjoying each each of the scenes kind of more while they last Mm -hmm. enjoying each of these moments each of these sweet moments hit a lot harder between him and agatha even though i felt because i was about to say on the second time around i thought agatha like i felt agatha worked a lot more yeah her presence is a lot more felt a second time around i think yeah because especially the her character introduction when it's just a long shot of her like biking through the streets Mm -hmm. and he kind of cries and wistfully looks at this you're just (laughs) first time around you're like huh what's the story with that that?" funky (laughs) (laughs) um and the second time around you kind of get caught up in this because because at the end of the day grand budapest is a story made to be retold Mm -hmm. as most tragedies are yeah um and the second time around you kind of you kind of go a layer deeper into the framing device and you're no longer just the the girl reading the book you're now also the author yeah and then you're also zero yeah and you get more and more layers deep into it and and you don't look at it as an inherent tragedy it's also a comedy and it's (laughs) it's it's, a very funny movie (laughs) it's funny it's cool it's It's interesting it's exciting you get to enjoy all of these different elements and i think ah, it just blows my mind (laughs) it's it's a it's a masterwork dude like there's a reason it's uh in the top 150 on letterboxd like it's it's a it's beautiful it's kind of overwhelming honestly like the fact that someone could make something like this 
No, and I think I think oh. you gotta watch this more than once because I think that at mm-hmm. the heart is was why the framing works. To go back to our first Absolutely, question, yeah. is because each different time you watch it, it can kind of you can, pull you deeper yeah, and deeper. You through can the watch layers. it from uh, however many different perspectives you want, and it every scene works as its own little thing. You know, like it doesn't. It, it's not that it feels segmented, but each scene gives you something different. And yeah. I, li- I really like that. It, it makes for a really interesting and fun watch. And also I'll mention too, because <laughs> you mentioned the chapters in Grand Budapest mm-hmm. Hotel. And there's also chapters in like Isle of Dogs. Yes, there um, are. And to compare those two, the chapters in Isle of Dogs <laughs> feel like these weird breaks in, in the plot. They don't really feel necessary. Yeah, they feel completely unnecessary. Like they whereas... feel like they're kind of tacked on. Like, it's a nice it's a nice framing device, I guess. Like, it makes it feel a little more novel as you're going through it. You're like, oh, okay, like, we're entering the next part of the story. Well, yeah, because it's just not that interesting with yeah. plot. No, it really is. But... <laughs> That's really the biggest problem with Isle of Dogs, is it's just not that interesting. <laughs> but then you take um, Grand Budapest, and, yeah. and I was thinking about, like, where the different segments are broke, like, break up. Mm-hmm. And it feels so natural to the story. And, yeah. if it, and it almost feels like, yeah, he could be like getting a different meal course. Like it feels structured, not like, not inherently like a book chapter, even though that's kind of what it's sh- presenting. Mm-hmm. But it feels almost more like somebody telling you a story. It feels like a life chapter is what it feels like. It feels like someone's remembering a certain era of their life. Yeah, but I but that it, that in like that in like a in like yeah. a story form. Like, yeah, like exactly. it specifically very much has the vibe of this is being told to you. Yeah. This is like from a a human telling a story directly. Absolutely. It's just such a, such a cool movie. It's, what, what can I say? Right? Oh my goodness, dude. <laughs> Go on like this much longer. I'm going to be like, forget Fantastic Mr. Fox. This one's my favorite. I, well, I think, again, this has... A, I honestly think this has way more depth than Fantastic Mr. Fox. It this does. is probably probably his objective that I have seen best film. Oh, yeah. I think um, so. But that doesn't inherently mean it's my favorite. Yeah. Um, but man, it might grow to be my favorite over the years. Because like, even, even just a second just, rewind. Yeah, just one rewatch, and I already love it so much more. Like, and I already adored it. <laughs> yeah, it it just the way it's written. It's one of those kind of stories, one of those kind of films that you can get something different out of each time mm-hmm. you watch it. And I think that that kind of shows its brilliance. It, it feels like you're returning to a sweet memory every time you come back to watch it. You yeah, know? you're like ah. <laughs> yeah, again, it feels it feels kind of like remembering. The you know kind of how this movie is framed like remembering dead relatives mm-hmm. absolutely or, or a place you used to love growing up in or yeah you know that again it's very nostalgia fueled <laughs> not for you the viewer but it, it, for tapping into that how it feels to be nostalgic for not movies or something like that but for actual people and things for for a time like for a feeling a yeah. memory yeah. And and it, you know what? I think that's kind of beautiful. <laughs> it is. It's, it's a beautiful movie. It is a deeply beautiful and hilarious and sweet movie. And I I think I'll always adore it. Okay, okay. We, we've <laughs> delved into all the serious stuff. Uh-huh. Let's put it behind us. It's in the past. Wow. Uh, what's your favorite like comedic bit or something? Because oh, I feel like we, there's not too much to cover in the movie. There's so many. There's so many good ones. But honestly, the one that kind of stood out this the second time around, it was it was one of my favorites the first time. Is the um, crossed keys montage? It's so funny. 
Um, especially the one where <laughs> they're trying to put out the fire. <laughs> and he hands his, his little uh, lobby boy the axe. He's like, right. take over. Take over. <laughs> Um, that that one's really good. I'm trying to think of another one that like just had me like on, on the, the floor. floor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of another one. I re- I really love, and I know it's just I saw somebody post this before I ever watched the movie, but I really love mm-hmm. the the kind of like visual bit oh. of the of the punching like the punch out <laughs> scene where somehow like it completely breaks the logic of framing for yeah. them all to be in the same spot punching each other in the same motion it's so funny. it's really funny it's so hilarious dude and there's so many lines like one-off lines here and there that are just absolutely hilarious i i will say i think some of the funniest material in this entire movie is just like are ju- is just birthed from the performances yeah like i was about to say just like just like watching zero's small eyes. expressions yeah <laughs> you could you could like there's an entire comedy going on in zero's eyes right um and every every little side glance he does is so funny to me <laughs> and yeah like this movie is just like again deeply deeply funny and heartwarming which mm-hmm. again take it you got to take both sides of what i'm talking about all, yeah. of, all of the stuff that i just went on and on about plus all of the comedic <laughs> stuff in this is part of what makes it thematically work as like remembering mm-hmm. remembering an, like a dead relative or something yeah, because you remember all the, you something. remember all the good times you remember all the fun memories all yeah. the exciting stuff um absolutely and you know I, it's, it's 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 hilarious it's funny it's i really so funny. i really love um it's not inherently a comedic bit, but I find it funny <laughs> when they're when they're skiing down the one like little slope yeah, area, yeah. and they just look so goofy, like because they're miniatures, I and they it. just like like they just look so they don't look real at all, and neither does the slope, and they just are moving so fast. So <laughs> it's good. hilarious to me. I would I would argue it's a it's a comedic bit, Mike. <laughs> uh, I love that, and like Willem Willem Dafoe's entire character, oh I really love it this i, I didn't i don't know why i i did not like willem dafoe in this the first what? time i watched it but he did grow on he's me so this. goofy he is but like i don't know it's he's so, comedically evil he sat something didn't sit right with me the first time i watched it i'm like he could i feel like he could be funnier but on the second time around i'm like yeah no this I is think, pretty great. i think he works pretty perfectly yeah <laughs> he throws the cat out the window <laughs> that is so good his death is surprisingly hilarious and like also kind of shocking at the same time it's it's oh oh yeah speaking of his death i didn't even mention because another (laughs) one of those thematic things that i wanted to mention Mm -hmm. uh was the was the poetry because there's a lot of poetry yeah there's quite a bit of poetry Um, and it more or less plays into stuff we already talked about i just Mm -hmm. wanted to mention it because i thought it was especially notable but I think one poem is, is is allowed to be finished in the entire course of the movie. Mm-hmm. One poem no, is I given. No, I believe you're correct. Is given, and and it's Agatha who reads it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that means something. <laughs> it means something. <laughs> it means something to me. Um, film essayists, get on this. Tell me what it means. <laughs> I am a film essayist. Darn it. <laughs> but no, just like I, I thought, like that specifically stood out to me the first time I watched it. Every time he would go into these these very romantic poems, mm-hmm. um, and not even like romantic as in like romance but like romantic as in a style of writing yeah um and he would go into these romance poems and then every single one of them would be interrupted 
Yeah. And even even his little death poem is interrupted. And as it goes on and he starts to kind of drop his facade a little bit more to you as an audience, mm-hmm. he even is the one try, like cutting off several of his poems. Even yep. the one before he dies, he cuts off um, the one in the train car. Like, like yeah. and it just kind of shows the deterioration throughout the movie of this complete prestige yeah. that was never, again, never there. He never finishes a poem. Exactly. They eat over his poem that he reads during dinner. <laughs> it, it, the movie cuts away every time. Yeah. Like, it, it, it never really was a thing. But what was, was, was his love for Agatha. Yeah. That was, that was something real. And she there is, she is allowed to finish a poem. There you go, Micah. You, you figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think that's a good reading of it, actually. Um, well, I've been doing video essays for <laughs> two years. <laughs> I hope I can. I, I hope I have some media literacy. Right I don't know. at this point, I hope so. <laughs> maybe maybe people listening to this podcast are always like, "What the heck is what, this guy talking what's he about? Talking about what is this junior junior <laughs> film class time? Amateur night in Dixie? Am- <laughs> is this amateur night in Dixie?" <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I hope. I don't know. I feel like I get good meaning out of how I read films, and yeah. this is one that I feel like you could pick apart with different meanings a million different ways, <laughs> while also enjoying it. There's and a it lot also here. Being yeah. snappy, and it also being really, really fun and yeah. pretty, and fun performances that are very, very memorable. It's quite frankly one of the most like overwhelmingly beautiful and meaningful films I've ever seen. I think. Is a good way to describe it, which is goofy given the given the nature of the film. Right, <laughs> they're like on the run from the law and getting into like slapstick shenanigans. Sometimes it's it's fun. It's a good. And again, I feel like that uh, it just treads its balance perfectly. <laughs> it of really comedy does. and this inherent tragedy mm-hmm. of the entire world that takes place in ending essentially. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. But yeah. I don't really have anything else no, to say. No, there's, there's to not add? too much to add, really. Like, at the end of the day, you're going to get something different out of it than I did. Um, like, yeah. anyone is going to get something different out of it than I did. I was about to say, you could have a completely different reading of the film mm-hmm. from me or from Robbie or from anyone. And it's, it's I don't know, I think it, it's a really beautiful movie. You should yeah. go watch it. You should go watch it if, if, you are, you're, if, you are, if you're okay with the content. If you are up to watching a R-rated movie, go watch it. An R-rated comedy yes. <laughs> by Wes Anderson. By Wes Anderson, <laughs> yes. Um, but it, ah, it's so good. Um, is there is there anything else you no, want to add? No, right. that cool. that, I feel like we, we covered it well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's go into our next segment, our What We Watched segment. So for those of you who have never made it this far into the podcast or are new to the podcast or whatever, whatever, dude, whatever, maybe, maybe, maybe it's you, none of my business, maybe man. like your headphones died and you just never <laughs> felt like finishing the episodes before or something. Could but be. if you've never made it to this section, uh, the what we watch section is a little thing we do on the end, sometimes not so little, especially when we take weeks off. <laughs> yeah. Um, where we talk about everything we've seen since our last episode, giving brief thoughts, a rating and so on. Yeah, it should be. Let's do we it. We try to be brief. <laughs> <laughs> we try. We, we can try. Uh, we're going from the 14th until now. Yes. Um, the 28th, again, I think. 14th um, to 28th. That's yeah, kind of that's kind yeah. of kind of impressive. It's, uh, it's the double double days, right? Double days. We've doubled. Wow. <laughs> Who uh, thought? But it? yeah, uh, what did we watch on the 14th, Remy? 
uh, on the 14th, we sat down and we watched uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Whoa, I feel like we were just talking about that. We did a whole episode about it. I feel like we were talking about this guy. We did. What, what we this, were. This Wes Anderson guy. This Wes Anderson. Actor and sing and sing too, Wes Anderson. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Fantastic Mr. Fox, it's great. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go watch it right away. Yeah. Please. Uh, I gave it a five out of five. I also gave it a five. Out you of can five. believe it. It was my thirteenth viewing of it. Mike. <laughs> then on the fourteenth, I watched Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird. Whoa. Um, I love, love Saoirse Ronan. Uh, <laughs> love Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig literally directed what's like my, my favorite movie, and I hadn't seen Lady Bird yet. <laughs> and like Saoirse Ronan's like my favorite actress, and I hadn't seen Lady Bird yet. Mike is like it's um, it's the greatest collaboration, man. <laughs> uh, and this is probably this is close to being one of my favorite movies right now. Fair, um, especially for you know being the age of most coming of age mm. teen story things. Hmm. Uh, but uh, I like to think a little bit more mature than uh, <laughs> than Lady Bird. Um, That's shows how immature you really are micah <laughs> no no ladybird's pretty immature uh it's a very interesting and it was a very like i don't know a deeply human experience i nice. know i know especially houston mentions all the time how humanistic uh greta gerwig's styles are houston coley um, yeah good friend of the podcast <laughs> and i really feel like this captures so mi- so much of the mindset of being that age and growing up with all of these different things and religion and it's it, i don't know it's very cool it's such a beautiful movie really honestly nice uh, yeah i can't wait to see it man fantastic i wrote a really good review on it uh, go read that <laughs> like it's like go read the review don't listen to what i'm saying right now. i gave it a five out of five <laughs> All right. Um, on the 15th, I watched Leap of Faith, William Friedkin on The Exorcist. Uh, it's a little documentary about The Exorcist. Um, and it was a, quite it's good. just a little documentary. And now I feel like I need to watch The Exorcist. Wow. <laughs> because it uh, made me, uh, it gave me a great respect for the film, and I haven't even seen it yet. So uh, it was a cool documentary. I gave it a four out of five. Uh, and later that evening, I watched uh, Night of the Coconut which, for those familiar, Patrick Willems or Patrick H. Willems, depending, um, has a YouTube channel, and this was like the series finale for the overarching narrative that's present in all of his videos. And it was very good. Um, Crazy. Yeah, it was fun. It was cool. Uh, Patrick is actually killing the acting game in this for some (laughs) reason. Like, it's a genuinely great performance. (laughs) Um, and it's, 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 it's just cool, especially if you're a big fan of the channel, which I, I started watching right after the pandemic, like began, like a little before that. Um, so it was cool to witness. I liked yeah. it a lot. Um, and you should check out Nebula too, cause that's what it's streaming on. <laughs> Go on to Nebula, my streaming service and you can get... <laughs> no, um, uh, but I gave it a four out of five. Great and then, film. And then on the 15th, I watched uh, tower heist <laughs> with the likes of Ben Stiller. Matthew Perry. <laughs> Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry. Or Matthew Broderick. I was about I mean. to say, I don't remember Matthew Perry being in that movie. I don't know. You can't tell me to remember <laughs> the different Matthews, oh the comedy goodness. Matthews. They all look the same. They all sound the same. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I don't yeah. know what to make of that statement. <laughs> it was not very good. Tower Heist. It's the Thanksgiving classic. That's it's got Is there a, a turkey in it. It's got Eddie Murphy. It's got Eddie Murphy. It's got a turkey. Eddie Murphy can be turkey good. Turkey blimp. Turkey blimp. It's not very good. That's what makes it a stone cold Thanksgiving classic. <laughs> Two and a half. It's got the Shrek blimp balloon too. Hey. 
That's that makes it a classic in my eyes, honestly. <laughs> well, it's got the Thanksgiving parade. The heist takes place around that Thanksgiving parade. Well, uh, then the next day, night of the sixteenth, I watched the You've night got... of the sixteenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched You've Got Mail, which is a loose adaptation of Shop Around the Corner, which I was a big fan of. I'm a. I, yes, I saw the end of this. Yeah, um, it's it was really good. I don't know. I I didn't expect it to be good. I had heard really good things about it. Um, wasn't a big fan of Nora Ephron's Bewitched adaptation, so I, I didn't go into it with high hopes. But uh, You've Got Mail, really fun, really sweet. Tom Hanks is really good. Mick Ryan's really good. And, uh, you know, you get to see Steve Zahn with, like, really long hair, and it, it, it's just a fun movie. It's it's a fun movie. I, I, I can't see, like, saying too much else about it, honestly. <laughs> it's a solid adaptation and a good time. Uh, nice. I gave it a four out of five. Then actually earlier that day. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, oh. I watched this. Uh, remember, I got home while you guys oh, were finishing Oh, that's true. This. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I ran over <laughs> to my girlfriend's house and we watched Donnie Darko, which is one of her favorite movies. Um, Lady Gaga classic, Mike. <laughs> uh, this is j- one of her favorite films. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a cult classic. It uh, is a cult it's classic. It's a very odd movie. Um, <laughs> this is my first time watching it. Yeah. Again, I mentioned it earlier. It's got that kind of vibe that I don't like about it in terms of it thinks it's super smart. But in this instance, unlike the box, it actually is a pretty pretty darn good screenplay yeah um presents very interesting ideas but i feel like it just gets caught up in too many other stupid things to really fully explore them to the depth that i would like there you go it just it just kind of feels caught up in its own vibes you know i I really want to see it i'm very interested (laughs) but you know there's good performances and interesting concept interesting execution like everything about the film is interesting just not always good in a good way Um, I yeah. gave it a four out of five. Yeah, it's a solid rating, man. I think it's a solid movie. It's a solid movie. Uh, then on the 17th, I rewatched Whiplash. Whiplash. It was the first 4K I watched when I got my PS5. Mm. Uh, and it looked beautiful, that's amazing, so perfect. Uh, <laughs> Whiplash is a fantastic movie. Probably one of the best that's ever done it. Uh, yeah, uh, probably. And a second time around, it was amazing. Another 2014 movie, Mike. 2014. 2014, Great year Robbie, 2016, movies. think of 2016, to- <laughs> 2017, I mean, come on. There, yeah, man. Uh, then, on the, <laughs> then on the 18th, what did we watch, Robbie? We watched Crossword Mysteries, A Puzzle to Die For. Wow. Um, and it was, you know, it, it could have been worse. Robbie, it's got Gretchen Wieners <laughs> it's in got, it. It's got the lady who played Gretchen Wieners in Mean Girls. And, you know, she's not she's not terrible here. Um but she is like the worst protagonist ever. <laughs> right. I don't know, man. It's it's exactly kind of what I expected from it. Uh, and not in a good way, necessarily. <laughs> it's interesting because there are multiple of these... Uh, the of crossword these, mysteries? Like, no, no. Of these like Hallmark movies oh. I've been watching where for some reason the female lead protagonist is kind of a jerk. <laughs> both of these both of these that I watched, like they're they're yeah, genuinely, she's kind of an they unlikable give, character. They give no allowance for people. Like right. they're just like, uh, ugh. Right. They have they have no sympathy or empathy for anyone around them. They're just like, ugh, I can't believe I they know would that do that. guy. That yeah. guy's a jerk. That guy's a jerk. <laughs> what is he trying to do? Solve a murder? I know my crosswords. <laughs> Dude. 
I, I, I will admit the crossword aspect of it was kind of novel and fun, but like I, I, I give it a two out of five. Uh, yeah, no, I give also give it a two out of five. It's, it's not novel. It's not. Don't don't listen to him. No, I said it's kind of novel. I didn't say it was good. <laughs> uh, then the very next day, bum, 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 on the nineteenth of November, we watched uh, "Don't Worry, Darling." Don't worry, darling. And Michael, what did you think of the film? What did I think of the film? I. I think it is a very odd film because <laughs> I like several elements of the film. Florence Pugh is amazing. Mm. Chris Pine is really good. Mm. Uh, Harry Styles is bad. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it looks interesting. Yeah. It has interesting mysteries presented. Mm. <laughs> but it sure doesn't do much with any of those elements. Sure is pretty boring. It's pretty boring. <laughs> pretty mid uh, yeah not not great i did not like the mystery i did not like the reveal literally an element on the poster goes completely unexplained it's it's like the most boring version of a really good movie <laughs> yeah it's like there's a cool concept in there and it, everything's just been twisted to be the most like almost bland version yeah, besides no. like florence Pugh and chris pine's performances it's, it's literally the most boring interpretation of this premise and aesthetics that you could have like i i could imagine a much more complex and engaging movie with these like same story beats and aesthetics and it you know? also it also feels like it gets weirdly caught up on our, on its own or like eroticism right like it has That's no so reason weird. to to like it's focus this sex. much on sex it's not about sex and again at Olivia, least what's in the text olivia wilde's like <laughs> only female <laughs> pleasure yeah it's so and like weird, that has dude. no thematic relevance to the movie <laughs> right that's not what the movie's about at all in like, fact it kind of goes against what the movie is trying to present this world is all about it's it's so strange like dude. it literally <laughs> it goes directly against the whole ooh men bad thing that right. the movie flips on it it's so <laughs> it's like it's it's it really is like sucker punch in a lot of ways yeah honestly. where i can imagine a much cooler and better version of the story but it just like completely like, falls see, on its see, face see and i understood sucker punch because Zack snyder made it <laughs> yeah i exactly. don't understand this one <laughs> Yeah, this one's actually like directed by a woman who seemed to know what she was doing for a time. Right, Booksmart is pretty darn acclaimed yeah. still. I haven't seen it, but I've heard very good things about it. But like, I don't and this know, was man. just kind of bad. Yeah, <laughs> and so it still wasn't like the worst thing in the world. I give, I give it a two and a half. It's not like, it's not like the worst thing I've ever seen. It's not it's just completely unenjoyable. But the decisions just... are so bafflingly bad. Like it just makes so many bad choices. Yeah, none of the creative decisions mesh. <laughs> The plot doesn't even fully make sense. But there like, seems to be like 90 ideas that they just decided to drop, yeah. but yet keep in. <laughs> there's there's some good there's some good stuff here. Like again, the production design and costuming is neat, and the performances are sometimes fun. But I don't know. It's it is not enough to redeem it in my eyes. I gave it a two out of five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then on the 20th, the 20th. Uh, I witnessed the rise of the Northmen. He witnessed the rise of the Northmen. Um, finally. Finally. <laughs> After all these years, <laughs> it came out this year. <laughs> Uh, that's kind of hard to believe honestly it feels like a lifetime it's a ago 2022 movie that's baby crazy. i mean we're almost done with 2022 yeah that's true that's true um but <laughs> dude i loved the northman my first robert eggers <laughs> film um, i can't wait to see his movies dude i think my first Ele no i guess maybe no you've seen him in other oh stuff. yeah the giver he's in the stupid giver. he's in godzilla versus kong yeah whatever the first real <laughs> alexander sorry first real movie <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm going to be honest. Ouch. Uh, Nicole Kidman, Ethan Hawke, Anya Taylor-Joy. Dude, Ethan Hawke, my Willem man. Defoe. This movie is stacked, and this movie goes 110, 100% of the time. And Heck honestly, yeah. I totally understand why Robert Eggers was just, like, depressed after making this. <laughs> because why didn't this pop off? Like, why was it not, like... After it underperformed. Like it, yeah, after it underperformed. Okay. He was No, he was depressed after making it because it just... Like, he was like, I don't know if I'll ever make something like this again because he put so much time and money into it and it just did not do that well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't, like, I put in my review, I don't understand how this isn't becoming, like, the next, like, gladiator or something in terms of, like, completely revitalizing it, like, that subgenre of weird historical. Is it really movie. that good? Yeah, like, I what? think so. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, I think it, I think it is genuinely executing what it's trying to do at like a hundred and ten percent all That's the way crazy, throughout, dude. and I enjoyed pretty much every moment of it. I gotta, I gotta see. I this think the apparently. cinematography is beautiful. I think the performances are great. I think it's brutal and fun and a really cool take on the story that inspired uh, Hamlet. So that's nice. that's cool. That's cool. You gotta love it. I loved it. I, I want to see it, man. Uh, I gave it a 5 out of 5, if you can believe it. What? That's crazy, Then also man. on the 20th, I watched Holiday Engagement. It had a terrible protagonist who was awful to the main love interest <laughs> until she wasn't, and it was viewed as his, like, character arc, but it was bad. <laughs> Two stars. <laughs> then what did we watch, Rebby? Then we I, we pulled an all-nighter. Because uh, we, we were about to leave town. Um, and we watched Blade you know, Runner. As you 20- do before you yeah, leave town. Yeah, you know, as you do before you leave town. <laughs> Um, we watched Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Which, as you may know, we were pretty big fans of Blade Runner. I'm a, I'm a pretty big Ridley Scott guy, yeah. I like to think. <laughs> and, I, and I had talked about Blade Runner 2049, I think, last yeah. episode we did. Um, it was either last episode or two episodes ago. Um, and lo and behold, it is really fantastic. <laughs> One of the best sci-fi movies ever made, probably. Uh, yes, definitely, I would say. Uh, and I think this kind of cements Denis as, like, probably the best sci-fi director of of my lifetime (laughs) like between this arrival dune like he's just he's unmatched really i i really don't see anyone else doing it like him (laughs) Um, i love denis villeneuve (laughs) i i loved it even more than the first one which i i adored the first one um it's it's editing it's cinematography the production design the sound design the costuming the score the lighting everything is amazing the direction Everything is amazing so in it, good. honestly. It's, it's unbelievably good, really. <laughs> I don't know how he pulls it off. <sighs> I want to see it in a theater so bad. It better have some anniversary run or something. Dude, sometime. it's got to have an anniversary run. <laughs> I, I would kill to see this thing in theaters. Uh, I gave it a 5 out of 5. I also gave it a 5 out of 5. It's, uh, it's gorgeous. Then the very next day, I watched Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas for the very first time. Yeah. Um, and my boy it's Martin. A, it's a freaking masterpiece, <laughs> if you can even believe it. Um, yeah. it's I so, can't believe it's it. It's <laughs> so, like, I, I don't even know how to begin to talk about this movie, but it's so brilliant. It's so interesting. It's so engaging. It's like three hours long, and it feels like. It's, it feels more engaging than, like, 90% of 90-minute movies I've seen. That's crazy, bro. Like, it's just so good. That's the, that's the power of uh, Martin Scorsese, I guess. And, you know, it's not my favorite thing in the world. It really didn't, like, mean it. I didn't get emotional from anything. And it's goofy. <laughs> but, it, but it's so much fun to be in. It's such a... Nice. It's like... It's like if... Uh, it's like if The Godfather was on, like cocaine and martin scorsese <laughs> nice. it's it's just fun and wild and goofy and a great time cool i can't wait to watch it dude it I looks give it, amazing i give it a five out of five 
Nice. Then right after, <laughs> what did, what did <laughs> we watch? it up. I followed it up. The double feature <laughs> to end all double features. Uh, we watched Minions, The Rise of Gru. <laughs> Goodfellas and The Rise of Gru. Both, <laughs> both about crime organizations. Yeah, organized crime. Uh, both uh, kind of masterpieces. And a, and a young and a young oh and a young up and coming oh criminal goodness. who just all his life wants to be a criminal. He wanted to be a criminal for a then At the end, if you look, if you stretch your vision all the way to the end of Despicable Me Three, who ends his life in the monotony of modern age. Oh my god, of, of the modern day. <laughs> So, if, if you, you think th- about it, Gru, Gru is Ray Liotta from Goodfellas. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll take your word for it. I haven't seen Goodfellas. Um, Rise of Gru, I wanted to see it because Wise Blood, for those unfamiliar, a uh, kind of dream rock pop artist. Dream rock pop artist? Uh, does a song for the soundtrack and you know she deserved better i think <laughs> i think this movie is one of one of not as not the worst movie in no. the in the despicable me franchise better than minions better than minions but one of the most <laughs> lifeless and dry and like almost soul sucking more so than i think even the first minions yeah. like the minions is worse than this minions, by a long shot minions has like a garbage charm to it almost but yeah exactly it has something weirdly not not <laughs> not inter- not entertain like like entertaining but not like in a good way inherently <laughs> it's right. trash it's like watching someone vomit but, in slow motion there's something kind of captivating about it <laughs> <laughs> but it's not it's not as soul-suckingly boring and bland as this was to me. I just thought this was I thought this this is probably the least likely of any of the Despicable Me films that I would ever rewatch, even over Minions. Yeah, I can see that. I like I don't know. I gave it a positive it score. It has it has nothing to say. It does nothing. It, ha- it everything is boring. But like it's it's like competent. It's, no, no, it's competent. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like I said, it's mild better than like uh, technically better <laughs> than uh, Minions. It makes sense the more sense than whatever was going on in the Minions. Dude. But it's also like copy paste of like the simplest, most bland kids movie plot in the world. Yeah, given it's this weird, stuff. Dude. Rise of Gru, strange. I gave it a three out of five. I give it a two out of five. Yeah. Uh, then on the 22nd, I watched John Mulaney, Kid Gorgeous at Radio City. Kid Gorgeous, baby. Which was good, I guess, but it's a comedy special, so I'm not really going to talk Wham. about it. Four and a half. Uh, and then on the 23rd, <laughs> we sat down and we watched Barbarian. Barbarian. Barbara Ann. Barbarian. That's what we watched. Yeah, Barbarian. Very interesting film. Not really what I was expecting. I can't believe it's 103 minutes. I thought it would have been like 70 minutes. Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård. The whole Skarsgård family coming together. <laughs> they come together. Dude, they're all in the filmmaking industry. So, and there's Dude. like there's like 12 of them. He's kind of killing the game here, honestly. He's really fun. I don't know. The, Justin Long King. is really fun too. I, it, it's just a fun movie. It's it, a fun, really, really weird. Honestly, it's yeah. It I, is very strange. structure is odd and unusual and its <laughs> climax is weird and its characters are odd but it all works together to be like this really fun really unique horror experience that is, is not like 
I, I saw somebody complaining. I don't I don't remember. I think it might have been like Juliet or Adam or something mm-hmm. complaining about like how overhyped, how weird this movie is. It's not it's not quite as like gonzo as many people were letting on, I think. Yeah, it's not like, oh, you can't know anything. About, I mean, technically speaking, they reveal everything you need to know about it in the first 30 minutes. I thought there was going to yeah. be like a second bigger reveal from the way people, even the characters talked. And I was just like, oh, well, yeah still fun it's still like kind of bonkers but not like that bonkers yeah (laughs) but it's 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 just i think the bonkersness comes from how uniquely it's structured and how uniquely it presents itself absolutely um it's it's such a fun it's such a fun time dude like imagine imagine just like getting a group of friends together and watching barbarian like that would be yeah i was gonna say i don't have too much to say about it but like it's it's a fun movie and i'm glad it got made and i'm glad it got and i'm glad it got a like like a pretty decent response Yeah. yeah glad it performed pretty well in theaters like good on smile yeah, and barbarian for, for like them. indie horror doing well you know right? i hope they keep making more stuff like this i give it a four to five uh i also gave it a four out of five very good then on the 23rd i 23rd. watched uh john mulaney the comeback kid comeback kid uh, i gotta i gotta special. watch his other specials i man. gave it four stars probably my least favorite of the john mulaney specials ah. i've seen but it's still really really ah. good <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, then on the 24th, I watched The French Dispatch. Dispatch. Probably one of my least favorite of the Wes Anderson oh. movies I've seen, but still pretty good. Oh. Uh, it's a lot better than Isle of Dogs. Micah Yossi's um, going to come after you. He's going to come and find me. He's going to kill me. <laughs> but it's fine. I just don't think everything really works in this, but I also really have never, like, I have a, I have a strong distaste for anthology you films, gotta, and I always have. You the anthology. I don't like. think it thematically works that well to <laughs> maintain an interesting movie. I get pretty bored with each segment. Um, it's just, it's just not for me. It is not a movie for me. I don't think it's, I don't think it's grand picture, as I talked about, works that well in terms of, like, I don't know what it wanted to tell me. I don't know what it was saying. And I, it didn't really interest me enough to be like, oh, let me delve deep into the deeper meaning of the French Dispatch. Wow. Because I just was kind of bored with it. But it looks amazing. It looks beautiful. The performances are really fantastic. It's still a Wes Anderson movie and it's still kicking it like as hard as it can. I just, it's just not for me. How could you? I gave it a, <laughs> First of all, how dare you? <laughs> I gave it a four out of five. <laughs> then on the 24th, we gathered around. <laughs> And watched a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. It's a classic. It's a classic. An American classic. So good. Not as good as Great Pumpkin, in my opinion. Not. A, I mean, like, if you're just comparing it to like other fall Charlie Brown stuff. Well, I'm just comparing it to other Charlie Brown stuff. I I still think Christmas is like the definitive best one. But like, I mean, I think this is second place. the The physical comedy in this one is so funny. And I mean, like, that's yeah, one of the biggest strengths of all the Charlie Brown I don't stuff. Know. I just I I think. Great Pumpkin is probably one of the most contemplative and like visually it beautiful is. of no, any it is. of, of the Charlie sure. Brown shorts. I don't know. It's just never been my thing. Like I think Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. There's so many like fun bits and Robbie good just likes comedies. He just wants a joke. He doesn't want any depth. Oh my goodness. He doesn't want any meaning. He's just like, give me a darn joke already. <laughs> Charlie Brown goes to therapy in like every single one of these. <laughs> <laughs> for good reason i i did not read it but it's very good it is very good uh then on the 26th i watched seven, seven. david fincher david fincher uh, morgan freeman your second fincher movie that you've seen i want to say brad pitt <laughs> brad pitt yeah gotta watch yeah. benjamin button i was about to say because there are several that i want to see but i have not seen any yeah, yeah. it's just zodiac there you go. Um, but very interesting film. I can see why it's such a classic. Uh, I don't think it's inherently as good as Zodiac, honestly. 
but mm-hmm. it's 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 a very interesting mystery. I just feel like it never fully. It's, it, I don't think the conclusion is very satisfying, in my <laughs> opinion, which is crazy because it's is super 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 engaging like crime thriller probably one of the most engaging crime thrillers i've ever seen that's very cool it's very gross it's very i can't wait to crazy see it, and <laughs> it the performances cool. are really fun i, I was about to say that that's like the era of brad pitt that i really love like his performances yeah, the, the kind of young thin <laughs> weird brad pitt <laughs> yeah where exactly he's, he's kind of goofy he's like, like oceans brad pitt <laughs> yeah uh very good still yeah. uh like i said very odd though uh but i give it a four and a half out of five very cool um, also on the 26th, I watched, uh, Jared Carmichael, Rothaniel, which is a, I guess a standup uh, special, which I mean, he's sitting down. <laughs> I can't like believe it. He's sitting he's down sitting the whole down. time. I mean, come on, what are they doing here? Um, but the main reason I wanted to check it out is, uh, cause Bo Burnham directed it and you know, as it turns out, it was very, very good. Like, I, I mean, like most people I follow love it. Um, and I loved it. Uh, it's a surprisingly intimate and like insightful comedy routine, which, you know, I think honestly, my biggest complaint is that it's not like super funny to me. Like it's not that funny, but it's also like super engaging and really, really fantastic in a bunch of other ways. So <laughs> it's not really that big of a uh, detractor. Um, it's really well edited, really well lit and shot. Um Honestly, the crowd uh, reaction stuff, which I know a lot of other people have mentioned, like the way the crowd interacts with him is like almost too perfect. Like, like you could almost convince me it was completely scripted or something. But <laughs> with with Bo Burnham behind it, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> but it was really great, um, really engaging. I, I gave it a five initially, and I bumped it down to a four. I, I'm going back and forth. I, I honestly don't know what I would rate it. <laughs> um, but it is very good. Um, definitely a big recommendation if you are uh, up to a TV mature stand-up special. Then, um, then also on on that very same yeah, day, on this very same day. Uh, I watched Raging Bull. Raging Bull. Martin Scorsese. Yes. Um, very very good. You may have heard of him before. Um, not my favorite in the world. Like I said, there's something there's something very like it's a, it's a lot more unpleasant of a movie to watch. It's one of I the Schrader Scorsese joints, Micah. <laughs> uh, I love I love Can't Paul wait for taxi I love Paul Schrader's writing, and I love Martin Scorsese's direction. Yeah. Uh, so if you can guess, I really loved this. This is probably just one of the most like, I guess personally, like oof kind of movies (laughs) um (laughs) like i said i was watching it and one of the scenes like really reminded me of a short film that i had made um so i was like man (laughs) mike is like schrader's just like me for real oh no (laughs) but yeah it's an interesting movie about really 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 terrible people um And that makes for an interesting watch. That's not always the most pleasant, but the, it is kind of a masterpiece of filmmaking, in my opinion. Cool. Looking uh, forward to it. Yeah, I gave it a 5 out of 5. One of the most personally, like, emotionally affecting movies I've seen from Martin Scorsese. Cool. Uh, right after I finished uh, Rothaniel, I turned on another Bo Burnham special uh, that he directed, not one of his specials. Kate uh, Berlant, Cinnamon in the Wind, which, fun fact, Kate Berlant is a uh, Sorry to Bother You alumni. I'm like, she plays one of the wives. Wow. <laughs> um, this was much better than, than Don't Worry, Darling. 
Hmm? Hmm? Uh, I, I don't know. It's it's good. Wait, don't worry, darling. Oh, I meant to say don't worry, darling. She's also in Sorry to Bother You, which is kind of strange that I mixed you know, them up. I thought she looked familiar. Yeah, no, she plays one of the wives in Don't Worry, Darling. She also plays one of the, um, yeah, I think yeah. one of the I remember workers her. in Sorry to Bother yeah, You. Yeah, I remember her in Don't Worry, Darling. Um, But this is a, it's a solid special. Not, it's no Rothaniel for sure, but um, all of the visual ideas and it being in black and white, the mirror, um, how she does physical comedy and improv. It, it, it brings up a lot of really interesting topics, and I like I like watching it. It's it's a good time. And I like watching it. Uh, Cinnamon in the Wind, solid uh, as it can be. Uh, I gave it, it a 4 out of 5. Okay. <laughs> then on the 12, 20, I, oh yeah, you I watched, watched, I watched, you one. watched that. I whatever watched a documentary. That, that is, oh, a documentary. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I watched, uh, director by night, uh, documentary by Anthony Giacchino, Giacchino. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is this a Giacchino or is it Giacchino? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, and it's all about Michael Giacchino. Well, then uh, it's probably the other Giacchino, not Giacchino. <laughs> well, yeah, probably. Um, and it was very cool. Um, it kind of documents Michael Giacchino's like rise to uh, working in Hollywood, how he always wanted to be a director, and it showcases a lot of like his movies that he made when he was like a kid. And I don't know, it was a really sweet and like touching documentary. I really liked it. Um, I gave it a four out of five. Definitely recommend it if you uh, want to be a director. It's very cool. <laughs> Then, uh, then what did we watch, Remy? Uh, then we went out, we went out to the old mall. Just yesterday. Just yesterday. We went to, to the, 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 the darn biggest AMC around. <laughs> not, not actually. Not true, really. But we went out to the is, mall. It is a big AMC. They had an AMC inside of it and we watched, uh, Well, I mean, we did, it's not like we went to the mall and then we're like, oh, look, glass onions <laughs> on. We went to the mall specifically well, to that AMC. I was setting the scene, To go Micah. see glass onions. I was setting the scene. We walk into the mall and there's an AMC inside. And we're just like oh look an amc there's so layers can't, so you can't say that you got, you gotta be like you gotta be like we were going to the mall to go to the amc now we went to the mall and there was an amc okay all right we watched glass onion a knives out mystery the new ryan johnson joint new ryan why do you keep saying joint joint stop saying joint <laughs> what do you want from you're gonna me? be you're gonna be like oh yeah there's that new pop tart it's a it's a Kellogg's joint New or something Kellogg's. like that. <laughs> I don't even know if Kellogg's makes oh pop tarts, uh, but that's that's the vibe. Glass Onion. When it comes to Netflix, we will probably be doing an episode about oh, it. I, oh, I, I guarantee it. Um, it was so so good. Knives Out's one of my favorite movies. I've seen it uh, eighteen knows? times. Eighteen times. Um, that's quite a few. <laughs> so I was very 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 excited for Glass Onion, hoping it could stick the landing. I trust Ryan Johnson. He is cool and groovy, <laughs> and I've seen almost all of his projects. Um, and uh, lo and behold, it, it very much sticks the landing. It's and it's so <laughs> probably just about as good as the first one. Honestly, yeah. I think it's just as good. <laughs> I think I like the first one more still. But yeah. uh, I mean, the vibes are really there in the first one, you know? Yeah. Um, this this is one completely does not different. have that. It's completely different vibes. The vibes different are still vibes. there, just different vibes. Different vibes. Um, Which, you know, I, I really loved it. It's it's just so, it's so funny and so well-written and so entertaining like it's just it's so viscerally entertaining like i don't, I don't again there's it. so much about this that works it's engaging <laughs> yeah. to watch it's yeah. it's interesting it's funny like you said i don't understand how he pulls off this 
And, and again, this is will probably always be the craziest thing to me because even even the first Knives Out, it wasn't as apparent. There was still quite a few like 2019 references. Yeah, the political um, stuff is very much of that era. But even in Knives Out, it's done in a little bit more of an awkward way, but purposefully. Yeah, like, like yeah, again, it like serves the, a purpose. the Hamilton reference is supposed to be embarrassing, <laughs> Dude. like that kind of a thing. Uh, whereas yeah. this one, like it seamlessly pulls off all of these like cultural references and of the times things. Benoit Blanc plays freaking Among Us. Among Us. <laughs> and for it, some reason, it works. So for- again, and it works seamlessly. It feels so natural for all of these characters to be doing all of these things. It's wild. And I don't know how he pulled that off. It's kind of a Buck Wild continuation of Benoit Oh, it's a, it's a crazy story. <laughs> like, even compared to the first one, which is, like, pretty crazy. This one yeah. is crazy. He swung for, like, sci-fi fences with this one, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah, this one is more sci-fi. It, it, um, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of bonkers, even more so than the first one. Which, which again, knowing Ryan Johnson's sensibilities, I really, I, I kind of understand what he's going for with this in terms of, I can definitely see him wanting to explore different essential, almost as, not, not different genres, because they're all going to be in the mystery yeah, genre, but different, like, types of mysteries, <laughs> like different feels for what a mystery movie can be. He's just going to um, make a, he's going to make a new Knives Out movie to mock each different kind of rich person. Michael. Exactly. <laughs> what and, is the and plan. Man, I don't know. Cause again, people were talking, they were like, dude, he shot this like two years ago. How does it, how does it, it feels like it, how does it, like yesterday? His, it's billionaire thing. And like Dave Bautista's character, Gosh. it feels so relevant to the current times. Honestly, like i think looking back at these like if i'm when i'm like 80 years old and i like like show my grandkids knives out it's like this is what it was like back then like this is exactly what it was like right marta cabrera marta cabrera exactly uh see but the the biggest that's that's why this one isn't as good it doesn't have anadamo wow (laughs) biggest reason but yeah it's really fantastic um definitely try and try and catch it in theaters if you can dude i think it's i think today is its last day in theaters so well (laughs) maybe tomorrow i think it might be tomorrow we publish this someone's like oh no i didn't realize and then rush out and see it that's the best case scenario yeah go watch it it, it was uh, mostly sold out when we tried to yeah, get tickets. Yeah, well, no, for it. again, dude, this is, I think this is like the third best performing movie in the box offices right now, um, which it's in like 600 theaters it's total. Such a small release. Um, which, again, it and The Fableman, like The Fableman's both have about an equal amount of theaters That's that crazy. they're running in. And the they're, new Spielberg. They're movie. both in the top it's five. Steven Spielberg. They're both in the top five of the box office right now, even though they compared to like the others, which is like. Like a Black Panther and stuff. Oh yeah, Wakanda and, and Forever, Wakanda Forever, right forever now, yeah. and stuff like that. Like it's such, they have like probably triple or quadruple the amount of theaters, and That's yet crazy. these things are keeping up with them because people want to watch good movies. People want to see Benoit Blanc. People want to see Benoit Blanc. <laughs> Netflix. Why are you keeping it in theaters for such a little amount of time? It kills me. Uh, but yeah, that's what we watched. <laughs> yeah, we watched Grand Budapest after that, but that's watched it. Watched it last night. Uh, very fun time. Go watch some movies. Go watch some movies. Try and catch Glass Onion. Glass if Onion. If you can. Definitely. Um, go watch uh, a Wes Anderson movie. Go watch, go watch The Northman if you if you want to. Uh, go watch... <laughs> I do want to watch The Northman. Go, yeah, go watch The Northman, Robbie. Lady Bird. 
Goodfellas. I watched some oh fantastic goodness. classic Blade cinema. Runner 2049. Like, like this was this was a very good month for yeah, first we, watches. We, we watched a bunch of really good movies lately. Um, it's good, good stuff. Which is cool. I love doing that. <laughs> like, I like just watching good <laughs> movies once in a while. All right, like, I don't know. I don't understand why people, when presented with good movies and bad movies, are just like, yeah, let me watch a bunch of bad watch movies. Watch the bad movies. <laughs> watch good movies. <laughs> go, go watch a movie. Go watch a is movie. Is the really little takeaway here. And have a good week. Yes. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And a happy Christmas. new year. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm a bit premature here. Happy Kwanzaa. When is Kwanzaa? I don't know. Really really showing our <laughs> knowledge here on recently. Well, I don't know I don't know when Hanukkah starts either, so it's really just any other <laughs> Right. We're we're once again showing how painfully white and American we are, Mike. I was about to say, well, you know. Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa, and Hanukkah are celebrated by 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 well a lot of white people. That's true. It's very true. Very true. So, but, <laughs> but just but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy winter, um, and we'll see you next week. Bye.